0: Today on the QL Podcast, I recap the trade deadline. I'll analyze who were the biggest buyers, who was the biggest sellers, and who didn't do anything but should have. Which players should have been moved, who shouldn't have. Who comes out of the trade deadline better and or worse. And yes, I will talk about David Ayers. All that and more coming up on this episode of the QL Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kuehl Podcast. I am your host tonight, the insider to the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, the trade deadline has come and go as it pleases, as it does every year around this time. Just before spring, we spring in our step towards the postseason with some big moves as some teams get ready for the postseason while some look towards the offseason season. And the future of their franchises. All sorts of stuff going on over the last 24 hours. As we record this episode on February 25th, we are exactly a grand total of just about, I believe, 29 hours. Actually, 30 hours now, as it is just before 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time here on the 25th. So we are just a few minutes from 30 hours removed from the trade deadline. A lot of stuff happening in the past week. We are recording a little bit later on tonight because stuff and things, as the wedding that I am participating in is a whopping oh my, it's five days away. Eggs. So I should probably mention that now. I'll probably mention at the end as well. This is our our last show, I guess, until a couple weeks from now. We we'll take a week off next week because I will be in Jamaica for my honeymoon. So. We'll keep you updated on the Twitter and stuff like that, but we will not be having a show. Alex, of course, not here once again, unfortunately, but this time, though, he has a very good reason. Him and his girlfriend, Katie, are out in Toronto. They are. They already sent me a video of them at Jack Astor's, and they were saying, Oh, we're so cool because we're at Jack Astor's, and I'm just like, it's a nice sports bar. It is an experience, but it's not like the be-all, end-all. I, I really... It's funny, my experience, because we're going to go this summer, Cal and I, and probably my dad and his wife. And maybe we'll get Alex and Katie to come out again, have a big old family trip. But, I mean, it's weird to say, like, which place is downtown. I still have not been to Real Sports yet, Real Sports Bar. And I know a lot of people out there are saying, how oh, have you not been there yet? It's, it's the best, you know, sports bar in town, you know. And I said, well, think of it this way. If I'm going down by the Scotiabank Arena on a game night, because it's always great to watch a game there usually because I'm going to the game. And if I'm going to be going to a Blue Jays game or I'm going to watch a Blue Jays game, I may as well go to you know Astor's, which is right down the road because everyone goes. To, it's either Jack Astor's or the Boston Pizza about a few blocks away from the Sky Dome. Excuse me, Rogers Center, as they like to call it now. And I will mention as well that, yes, this, the Leafs and the Lightning are playing right now. So it's been a couple weeks since we had a Leafs game on here at least while we're out doing the show, while I'm doing the show at least. And right now the Leafs are leading 4-2 over the Lightning. And it's kind of a big deal because of what happened this past Saturday. But before I get into what happened on that Saturday night, let's just take a look t- or take a moment to let you all know, make sure you get involved in today's episode by using the hashtag The Cuel Podcast, tweeting us at The Cuel Podcast, hashtag TKP to talk about all the good trade deadline stuff I'm going to talk about with you folks here today. But before we get to what happened yesterday and the day before that and the week that was, we must talk about the Carolina Hurricanes and the Toronto Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada. It was a big matchup because both teams are vying for a playoff spot. Both teams are fighting. Canes and Leafs are about the same point range going into that game. And both teams are trying to get simply get in the top three in their division. Leafs trying to hold on to that third spot. Canes trying to bump up into the wild card, trying to get to that third spot, but it'll be tough catching the Islanders right now. But, I mean, they did fine in their wild card spot last year, of course. Remember, beating the Washington Capitals in seven games. But early on in the game, Zach Hyman pushes a Canes player into James Reimer. James Reimer gets hurt, which I should probably mention, I was not there. I was not watching the game because... It was my last weekend of the regular season doing Davenport hockey with Thomas Biondo, a guy that's been on the show a few times now, a friend of the show, Thomas. And I missed it. All of a sudden, I saw James Reimer left the game with a lower body injury. I'm like, well, that's not good news. So what I did was, so I'm like, all right, well, I'm following the game. All right, the Leafs are up. Okay, cool. All right, boy, the Kings are coming back. This is not good because a really good hockey team Now watching the game. All of a sudden, Peter Mrazek leaves, leaves the game. I see Peter Mrazek leaves the game. And don't forget, while I'm broadcasting, I'm not really I'm focused on the game, obviously. So I'm not thinking in my high head, oh Mirazik's hurt, that stinks, you know, oh my gosh, they who else is their goaltender? I'm just thinking, oh that it's not good for the Canes having Murazik hurt. So I get home and let's see, six thirty games. So I got home about, oh, eight forty five, nine o'clock. Cause usually women's um hockey games, at least in the ACHA, they go by pretty quickly. I think the game that we it only took about an hour forty five and at that point, I had all the recaps done and everything, so I had really nothing to worry about in terms of doing extra work when I got home. I, and I was with a couple of friends of mine, and like we were hanging out because it was my birthday on Saturday, having some margaritas because here in the States, the February 22nd is National Margarita Day, and I am okay with that. I found that out a few years ago, and I'm like, well, why didn't I find about this sooner? But nonetheless, I turned the game on. At that time, it was 4-3. Kane score. Okay, it's 5-3. Not good. I literally turned on the game on my laptop. All of a sudden, they score. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go change. So I turn on Joe Bowen as I go in the other room. Left my laptop in the living room here in the apartment. All of a sudden, here's Joe Bowen. And don't forget, the, the audio on the NHL app is about maybe 45 seconds to a minute ahead of my laptop. I'm changing my clothes, whatever, something more comfortable. And all of a sudden, and Joe Bowen says they score again. I'm like 6-3, so I walk out, throw the laptop down. And the funny thing was, when I saw that second goal, the sixth goal, I saw them show a goaltender. I'm like, wait, that's dude, Iris? Ares? I'm like, why does that name sound familiar? David Ayers, because I remember he had backed up an emergency backup for, a goal, for the Toronto Marlies. And I realized, I'm like, wait, he's wearing blue and white gear and a Marley's mask. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so I waited until after, and I sat, and I remember, so at that time, I go on Twitter. And that's where I see Kyle Clifford absolutely bowl over Peter Mrazek. I see James Reimer, how he got hurt. And I saw the fact that the Leafs scored on two goals of the three shots they took on David Harris at the end of the second period. And then I began to realize the fact that he gave up three goals, that David Aris was the decision goaltender, the goaltender that was going to get the decision against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that he was going to win the game. At that point, I was mad. And we had a lot of margaritas that night. Let me tell you, Sunday morning was a rough one here in the kiel dietrich household. It was very rough to just know that they lost to an emergency backup goaltender. And I know some Winnipeg Jets fans out there saying, what about Scott Foster? Well, don't forget, at that point in the game, when Connor DeLea went down and Scott Foster came in, the Hawks were up, I think, by what, four or five goals. It was 6-2 at that point. Yes, I know they did the stats and said if Foster didn't make a save, the Jets could have came back. But the same thing could be said for David Harris. Here's my problem with this. And we'll get to David here in a second. The Leafs were outshot brutally against the Carolina Hurricanes. They were outshot 47 to 26 in the game alone. They were outshot 21 to 8 in the second period. For a team that's trying to make a playoff spot, trying to simply just hang in there in the division Allowing 21 shots in any period on home ice on Hockey Night in Canada, big stage, it's not good. Not good by any stretch. And you can, oh, yeah, the Hurricanes played tough in front of areas and stuff like that. Well, no. That is a $90 million hockey team against a Carolina team that has now even gotten better after the deadline, but we'll get to that later. But against a Carolina team that can't hold the budget to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had seven shots in the third period to the Leafs. To the Hurricanes' nine. Now, I'm just going to try to figure this out here. When you have a team that has Taveras, Marner, Matthews, who, by the way, were on the same gosh darn line in this hockey game, Kapanen, Nylander, I mean, take your pick. This team is stacked with offensive talent. I get it. I get it. The Hurricanes have a solid decor. But when you can't get anything on an emergency backup Zamboni driving goaltender that works for the Marlies and Ryerson. By the way, they keep forgetting to add that he worked for Ryerson. Works at Mattamy, Mattamy Athletic Center. Excuse me. The Maple Leaf Gardens. It's embarrassing. And Kyle Dubas had the gall after the trade deadline when he had his post-deadline presser to say it was a no-win situation. Oh, you know, if we came back and won, I, I'm not going to quote him exactly because I'm not going to bother taking the time to try to figure out what his thought process was behind this. But, you know, oh, man, if we had beaten up on a emergency backup, it would look bad on us. But, you know, I mean, if, I mean, if he won, it'd be great. But we had—I mean, really, realistically, we—if we, we won, we looked like you know, we looked like awful people. But if we lost, we looked like you know, looked like goats, but not the good kind of goats. No, it's the NHL. If the Carolina Hurricanes were, you know, a last place team like they were five years ago, if this was a Carolina Hurricanes team that had no business being there, it'd be even more embarrassing. If the Leafs were a last place team, it'd be hilarious because it would make you more mockery. But at least they're not trying to make a playoff spot. If the 2014-15 Leafs, if this happened to them, we'd all chuckle about it. Remember when the Florida Panthers had that problem? When the Leafs won 3-2 against Florida? And it was, I believe that was, what, 2016? And Montoya had to come back into the game, even with this pulled groiner. I forgot it was Groiner's knee. Like, oh, man, the Leafs barely won. Well, Yes, because the Leafs are bad. But this team, with all this offensive talent, they just had to shoot the puck. Shoot it hard. And they would have a chance to win. But guess what? They didn't. They just choked. They deserved to lose. And... I guess if you're, trying, if you're looking at it from my perspective, now you're wondering why I'm not getting more angry about it. Two reasons. One, I've had a couple days to really think about what I wanted to say. And two, like I said, it's 9 o'clock at night here, and I do live in an apartment complex, so I can't be yelling and screaming. And I just got great news from our good friends Elliot Freeman and Chris Johnson. Jake Muzzin, who blocked a shot, a couple of shots in that second period, will not return in the game. Or at least PR, at least tweeted out Jake Muzzin hand will not return for the third period against Tampa tonight. Jake Muzzin, who just signed a contract extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs, with a broken hand. Yay, perfect timing for the playoffs. Morgan Riley is skating, but nonetheless, we'll get to that a little bit later on. But now we must talk about David Ayres, and the reason why, because I remember at first, don't forget, I'm talking about my first glances. The Leafs lose a hockey game to a beer league goaltender, Zamboni driver, whatever you want to call it. Myself, in the days of reflection, especially yesterday, too. I really thought about it yesterday, how I wanted to go about this. You know, I could tear into Leafs of how bad they are and how dumb they are and how just they're an awful hockey team. As I say that, they're leading 4-2 right now against the Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the hottest teams in the league right now, as I'm still knocking out wood on this table. I love the fact that David Aris is getting all this attention, and the NHL put out a great little video today, and about what he what he has done today, yesterday, all the great stuff, all the you know PR that he's done. It's it's crazy, and that's what makes me realize how cool of a moment this really is. Because if you're looking at it from a least, like, like like I said, go back to the Scott Foster thing. If you're a Jets fan, which, by the way, don't forget that was the Jets team that went to the conference final that year. I'm not saying that's going to happen to the Leafs because no, it's not, ha- it's not going to happen to the Leafs. If they make it to round two, it's a miracle and a half. But at the time, people said, "Man, you got all these shots on a goaltender." But don't forget, though, Scott Foster was a Division One goaltender. David Harris is no more than a junior B netminder, and who had a kidney transplant I think 15 years ago. Scott Foster is, I think, a few years younger than him, around the same age, but regardless. Imagine how they were the day after, but then realizing kind of from the outside how we all saw it. Scott Foster, wow, you know, great story. Guy comes out of nowhere, an accountant, even though he was, like I said, a Division I goaltender at one point. Looking at it from the outside, it is probably one of the coolest stories because, A, he got the win, he was first star, and the crowd at Scotia Bank Arena despite their team absolutely getting embarrassed, gave them a well-earned standing ovation. Because think of it this way. How many guys get that opportunity? What is the chance that an emergency backup actually gets into a game and then actually plays? And yes, he made eight saves in the game. Wasn't an outstanding performance. Wasn't, you know, didn't make any highlight reel saves, but made a few saves. Can you imagine that? As the Tampa Bay Lightning score a goal. 4-3 now in the third period. 12 and a half to go. Just think of it this way. You dream your entire life, you dream your entire life about playing a game. And trust me when I say this, guys, I have thought about it myself. Scotiabank Arena, somehow there, and getting the opportunity to go into a game and stealing the show. Now, I don't know about stealing the show, but think of it this way. You are just this random guy that steps on the ice. Nobody knows who the heck you are, but yet you have a great opportunity to do something that you've always wanted to do. And that's where... Because don't forget, David Ayers is a Leafs fan. But he's going out and around doing all this stuff for the Carolina Hurricanes because, well, he played for the Carolina Hurricanes. And that's what made me kind of just sit there and kind of pause. And I'm like, well, that's what makes this really cool because it's not, not a common occurrence by any stretch of the imagination. It's a once in... I mean it's never happened before. I don't if I I can't remember. I remember there was the one time the Vancouver Canucks, I forget the name of the of the guy, but the Vancouver Canucks almost had that issue. You know, Scott Foster came into the game and made a couple of big saves. That was great. But how many times does a guy have something like this? How many how many times Chris Levec. Chris Levesque is the guy's name. Sorry. I just got the guy's name. For some reason, I remembered Jim Houston's call off the top of my head. But uh, University of British Columbia goaltender at the time. But think of how awesome it is for a guy. And the best part is, we'll get into what he's done. I mean, I, I guess we can quick run through. You know, this guy was on every single sports talk show known to man. He was, I'm pretty sure he's going to be getting his own spit and chiclets episode, despite... I me mean, completely despising that whole brand he's going to be on that he was on i think what was a uh, what's that ESPN radio show uh, Golik and Golik and Wingo Mike Golic and Trey Wingo he was on that show which i mean they talk about hockey i don't think they talk about hockey in that but here's the thing it wasn't just sports he was on today NBC today he was on i think he got a thing with Good Morning America he was on Fox News they were talking about him on music stations, on rock stations here in Grand Rapids. Now, granted, yes, every time I hear some person from music talk start talking about sports, I just turn it off because half the music DJs I've ever listened to are just completely oblivious to athletics. But it transcended hockey. He was on just every talk show you could think of. He did a bunch of NHL PR. He met Gary Bettman. Now, granted, yes, I have my things about Gary Bettman, but the fact that the commissioner took time to talk to this guy, this random person who got strapped to the pads, I mean, he didn't meet Scott Foster, but he met David Harris. Heck, the man got on to Stephen Colbert's show, on the late show with Stephen Colbert. And Colbert played it off so well, he pulls a hamstring, and David Harris comes out and does this, and he finishes the monologue, and i'm like that's when i saw it when Sid sixer tweeted that and said this is real life and i saw that and i'm just like dang it that like that's that's cool and you know, i think he did stuff he did stuff for inside edition nbc nightly news i mean let alone in canada this guy is more popular almost popular more popular in the united states he did the siren tonight down in raleigh he had a 20 he had a half hour press conference guys in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was, wasn't like it was four people, like any other Hurricanes press conference. There was, like, there was a full room in there. And that's what turned me from disdain, embarrassment, annoyance, if you will. Because, yes, my team lost. But this guy got an opportunity of a lifetime took it. Did well, too. If he gives up seven goals on the eight shots he faces, you're right. We're probably not talking about this right now, of how great it was and all the cool stuff he did. Nope. We're talking about the fact that here he is, a winning goaltender, and someone was sure to mention to me how he has one less win than Jimmy Howard. I mean, I think that, you know, as a joke or whatever, but it, congratulations to David Ayers. I'd love to get him on the show. Maybe later on. Maybe I'll try to get him, have him give me a job with Ryerson. That'd be kind of cool. Just use him as that. No. He has had a wonderful 72 plus, well, four days. Come on, Tyler, four days. That would be uh, 96 hours. I had to, yes, I had to do math. Stop it. Stop laughing. Congratulations to him. All the best. I mean, this guy, and the best part is, too, going with that, is that he had a kidney transplant. His mother gave him a kidney transplant back in 04. And his mother FaceTimed him while he was on today, and he got emotional. And he used it as an opportunity to kind of promote, you know, I guess, you know, kidney cancer awareness and, you know, being an organ donor, being active, trying to help other people, stuff like that. That's cool because... That's just not a guy saying taking, you know, embracing the spotlight, you know, for what he did. He's using the spotlight as an opportunity to bring awareness to something that some people don't quite know about, and he's a first-hand story of the good from a kidney transplant, you know. And I'm, it's it humbles me because you all know, listening to me on this show, and if you ever, any of you ever listen to me broadcast hockey, I'm a very ignorant person. I would be all over that spotlight saying me, 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 because I'm a turd. I'm a turd in dia But this guy, ever so humble, David Ayres, just a smile on his face the entire time, doesn't boast his chest, didn't say, oh, my goodness, if it hadn't been for me, the Canes would have lost that game, blah, blah, blah. He was very calm. Just happy and enjoying the moment. And none of us can be mad about that. Leafs fans, Canes fans, old Jets fans that remember that day against Scott Foster, nobody can honestly look at that game as a day where you say, wow, that was an embarrassment. It's a day where some man Got to live out the dream of what all of us guys that go out and strap our pads on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights that we get called to an NHL game and there you go. You get the opportunity. So congratulations to David Ayers. A wonderful story. A story that at first everyone hated, but at the end of it you you, you can't get mad at that smile. It's like it's like looking at a puppy dog. It's like, how how can you be mad at that? Absolutely great story. Now, let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Or better term, as let's get back to what happened in the trade deadline. So yes, a lot happened in the week that was, since our last episode. Remember when I talked towards the end of the podcast last Tuesday, that there were reports that Alec Martinez was going to get traded to the Vegas Golden Knights, which the next day he was, at least it was made official. And the deal for that contract, that move, as I load up my cap friendly, which I should have had up, but as per usual, I am unprepared, which if any of you are surprised at this point, shame on you. As I go back to last week, The deal that brought Alec Martinez over gave the Los Angeles Kings a 2020 second-round pick from the Vegas Golden Knights and a 2021 second-round pick from the—oh, I just lost it. I I made it full screen. There we go, from the St. Louis Blues. So that gives LA Kings a couple more picks. They will have three second-round picks in this coming draft, two third-round picks— and that St. Louis Blues one in 2021, if you want to, I guess, follow it around, actually came from the Buffalo Sabres because that, tra- that draft pick, which was the original St. Louis Blues, was traded for Ryan O'Reilly, involved in the trade that sent Patrick Berglund, Sabotka, Tage Thompson to the Buffalo Sabres. And then Buffalo flipped it to Vegas when they got Colin Miller. So it's always fun to look at the draft picks and just see how, just kind of see where they go and who they came from and whatnot. But a lot of trades went on yesterday. And it seemed like yesterday was probably more more busier. Probably a busier bit of trades than at least on deadline day than we've seen in the past, which is for a lot of us awesome because we've gone through trade deadline days where there's just nothing. We watch TSN Trade Center or we watch trade deadline coverage on Sportsnet, or if you even watch on the NHL network. It just is boring. I mean, there's just nothing going on. You're analyzing a minor league deal that sees nobody trade for nobody. But yesterday, a lot happened. So let's get into some of the big buyers first. And not a huge buyer, but a significant one in terms of adding little bits and pieces for a team that's probably just adding depth because of all the injuries they've had this year. The Pittsburgh Penguins a team that the Leafs split with last week. They went out and got a little more depth. They received Patrick Marleau from the San Jose Sharks. Patrick Marleau now, this is technically his fourth team, but it'll be his third team he's played with because, remember, he was traded to Carolina for the purpose of a buyout by the Leafs this past summer. Comes over from San Jose, and the Sharks will get a 2021 conditional third-round pick. The condition is if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup this year with Patrick Marleau on their roster, the pick upgrades to a second round pick, so at least a third for sure going back to the Sharks. And the Penguins also receive from Buffalo, Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sheary, all a two for one deal as Dominic Cahoon goes back to Buffalo. Now, what are the Penguins really getting here? Obviously, Marlow. As if this team does not need any more experience or veteran leadership, why not give Marlow one last chance? And this is, I think, that a sign the Penguins are really going to go for it because Marlow is one of those guys in this league. We'll get to one of his teammates later on in this episode. Guys that have not won the cup yet and really deserve an honest shot to do so. I don't know if you can say the Penguins are a contender, but you know, there's always a saying, don't count out Crosby. Don't count out Crosby, never count out Crosby. And I get that. You never want to count out, I guess, Sid the vet now. I, you can't say Sid the Kid because, well, he's only been in the league for about, what, 14 years now? This will be his 15th season, excuse me? I'm just saying. You really can't call him a kid. Sid the Man? No. Really, that doesn't really rhyme that well. See, if his name was Sam, if he was like, you know, well, Sam Gagne, if Sam Gagne was Sidney Crosby level of, you know, skill level and everything. I mean, he was a junior. We played with London, but we'll get to Gagne later. Anywho, back to Pittsburgh. You get Marlow, you get a depth center, a guy that can play the wing though. He can kill penalties. He can be. He's not going to be a dominant player. He can still skate. He is older. If you use him properly, if you don't overuse him, it'll be an absolutely perfect match for what the Penguins are needing in the postseason. This team has been riddled with injuries. They've lo- they had, I don't think they've lost the most man games of the entire NHL. But for a team that's in a playoff spot, that's pretty sure pretty sure they have the most out of all the current playoff teams right now, the top eight in each conference. Now, what they're getting from Buffalo. A, you're getting Connor Sheary back, a guy that was a big part of those cup-winning teams in 16 and 17. And you're getting a young center in Evan Rodriguez. And Evan Rodriguez is a guy that, granted, has never been a huge point producer in the NHL. He's always kind of seemed like he's been a fan favorite in Buffalo. He's been a guy that really came from nowhere. He played his college at Boston University from 2011 to 2015 and was able to really kind of craft his own when he got the full-time bid. Realistically, last season, he played about half the year with Rochester in 16-17, 17-18, but got hurt in 17-18 a little bit, so he only played 48 games with the Sabres. But his M.O., And what makes him a utilized player is the fact that he can play your fourth-line minutes. He's pretty solid in his defensive zone. Now, granted, this year he's a minus 8. But then again, he's playing the Buffalo Sabres. He's never The only time he ever had a plus-minus that was positive in his career is when he played two games with the Sabres back in 15-16. But this year, low-point production, only nine points. He's only played 38 games so far. He's missed some time here and there. But you're adding a depth center, a guy they can throw in there, a guy that you can send out there to kill penalties, a guy that can win your faceoffs, despite having a sub 50% face-off percentage. He's a guy that battles on those draws. And he may not be your go-to guy, but then again, you have Sidney Crosby in your lineup. Why would you need anyone other than him to win a faceoff? But he's a guy you can send out there on the penalty kill, and he can be your faceoff guy when you're shorthanded. He can be a guy that you can give defensive zone starts and not be too worried about it. That's what the Penguins are getting. They're not adding star power. This is not a team that needs star power. But they need guys for those late rounds that'll be there. Should they have added defensemen? Possibly. But really, the market wasn't out there. There was a guy that was out there at one point. but There's a couple, actually, defensemen that were out there at one point. But we'll get to them a little bit later on. But those were pretty much the big move for Pittsburgh. But the big buyer yesterday... A team that is kind of on the fringe. We talked about them just about 10 minutes ago. The Carolina Hurricanes. These guys are going for it. They are going all out. Don Waddell, Tommy Dundon. Tommy Dundon is just throwing out his money saying, here you go. Just go for it. Rob Brendamore is thinking, all right, we're going to do this. And don't forget, do you remember the Carolina Hurricanes team in the 2006 final? How many moves they made at the deadline, picking up Doug Waite, getting guys like Mark Reckey, Corey Stillman to come in there, veteran players. I mean, those weren't trade deadline acquisitions and Corey Stillman, but the guys they brought in at the deadline were not star players. They were just veteran players that were going to contribute in some way or another. Their first big move was getting Vincent Trocek out of Florida. Now, this was an interesting move because the Panthers are right there, currently only two points behind the Leafs. One game in hand as well. Trochek's been a guy that's been producing at a high rate for the Panthers this year. Remember, he had missed most of the season last year with a horrific knee injury, and he's come back in stride. This is a guy that you think was gonna lead the Panthers. But obviously, Florida for some reason doesn't see that. They don't at least they don't see the need for him. Which makes this really interesting and see why in, they got rid of but they got a decent return to Florida. They got Eric Hall and Linus Walmark back, and they got a couple of prospects and Chase Prisky and Itu Listerinen. But Carolina, you're adding a guy like Benson Trocek, and that's just huge for this hockey club because I'm not going to say Carolina doesn't score goals. I mean, they do have 201 goals for, which compared to the two teams that are currently in the wildcard spot right now and the Islanders in Columbus – it's still more than both of those teams. Islanders are not necessarily the biggest point teams. They have just as many goals as the Pittsburgh Penguins do, a little bit less than Philly and a lot less than the Washington Capitals. But realistically, they're a, they are a scoring team, but they're just going to add more because they realize, and I think they realized when they played Boston last year in the playoffs, not just the toughness aspect, but being able to keep up with their offense. Because if you give up, if you're going to give up three or four goals to a team like Boston, you're going to need guys that can come back and score when you need it. And adding Trocheck there, adding depth scoring is impeccable for a team going down the stretch. Now, another big move they made was getting Sammy Vatnan out of New Jersey. New Jersey, a team that we all thought was going to be better this year. And they were a team that did sell a little bit yesterday, but realistically, after their big moves earlier on last week, They sent Andy Green and Blake Coleman. There was words that Tom Pitchell put out there, and he said how he was talking about how he was going to sell more. At least everyone was available. And everyone was available, and we'll get to a couple more players that were traded last week. But it's a big move to get Sammy Vatnin because you're adding depth defensemen. As if the Hurricanes don't need any more defense, they get a guy like Sammy Vatnin, and he's just a nice, calm defenseman back there. You're not going to expect him to put up 1,000 points. You're not expecting him to be your top power play guy. The, I guess the big kicker for if, if the Carolina Hurricanes is that the Devils are able to retain 50% of it. Currently this year, Sammy Vatnin with the Devils, 23 points in 47 games. Not too shabby. He had 28 points last year in 57 games, or at least 17-18. Last year, 17 points in 2018-19. So this is only his third year in the league or third year with the Devils ever since getting traded from the Anaheim Ducks back in the 17-18 season. And playing for the Ducks since the lockout shortened season back in 12-13. I believe he was a part of that Admirals team that made it to the finals, if I'm not mistaken, or won the call. No, that was 2012 Norfolk Admiral, Excuse me, wrong year. But you're adding a veteran guy who can put up points but can play on the back end as well. And if the New Jersey Devils do not have probably the strongest defense core, strongest blue line right now in that Metro, it's pretty close to being up there. I would put them up against Pittsburgh's blue line. Definitely put them against Philadelphia's blue line. Washington's would be a little bit tougher because you have guys like Carlson on the back end. They have a very tough crew back there. As the, oh my gosh, the Leafs actually won. They held on against Tampa Bay. Well, All right. Well, there's that. Everyone's okay in Leaf Nation, right? Because they actually beat Tampa. Oh, okay. We'll see you next game. But back to the Hurricanes. Big move bringing in Sammy Vatnin. The last move, the official last trade of the trade deadline. Brady Shea from the New York Rangers. This was a move that was kind of on the down low. Nobody was sure if it was going to happen. There was talk that Shea was going to be moved. Now, obviously, the Rangers were... A little bit sellers here and there because they're not trying to get rid of everybody because they are still a good hockey team. They just need to add a couple pieces, but nobody was sure if they were going to get rid of their number one defenseman. They were able to move Brady Shea and they receive a 2020 conditional first round pick. Now, here's how that pick works for the Rangers. They will receive the later of the pick of either the Canes or the Leafs, which means, because remember... That pick that the Toronto Maple Leafs gave up to the Hurricanes to take on Patrick Marleau's contract to buy out Patrick Marleau is their first round pick. So pretty much saying whoever finishes later on is what the trade means. So say the Leafs make it to the second round, Canes don't, they get the Leafs pick, so on and so forth. But Brady Shea, the Rangers, they get more than one draft pick in that first round coming up next year. Which, if you're the Rangers, that's not a bad deal. At least, I wouldn't think so. They have two, and the, they'll have two now. But it really just depends on who. They, right now, look at the Rangers. They do not have their second-round pick, as they dealt that away in April of last season. And so, currently, though, they have two in the first, two in the third, their fourth, fifth, and sixth, and then three in the seventh, as they received Nashville's seventh-round pick. When they got rid of Cody McLeod last year, as well as Vancouver, which was in February of last season as well, when they gave up Merrick Mazanek, their goaltender, to the Vancouver Canucks. So Rangers are sitting in a good spot, but Carolina, this is a team that is going for it because you're not, I mean, it's a weird thing because they're not a shoe-in playoff team. And I said that before that if you're a team on the outside, if you're not quite sure yet, you shouldn't go for it. And they said early on the season, I'm like, Carolina has a good chance of taking a dip, which they're about the same spot they were last year. Battling for that second wild card spot, not quite sure if they're going to get in, but here they are now showing that they want to get in. They're not selling the farm like they like the Columbus Blue Jackets did last year. They can't afford to do that can the Hurricanes, but they're going to be a competitive team on, and they're it's getting tougher up front, tougher on the back end, adding two solid defensemen back there to an already very talented defense core. Watch out, Metro. Well, it really all depends, because right now, if they were to, say, catch that second wild card spot, they'd play Boston again. Which, oh boy, they learned a lot last year, I think, playing Boston in the conference final, which I'm really excited to see if they were able, if they do get in, they do play Boston. I think they learn a lot. I mean, Then again, I said the Leafs would learn a lot from the first couple times they lost, but that's neither here nor there. We're not keeping track of numbers anymore, are we, about the Leafs? Right? Right. So for me, those were the two big buyers, the Canes and the Penguins. Metro Division teams trying to get a little bit better here and there. There were teams that added pieces, but we'll get to those bigger trades later on. Let's get to the teams that were sellers. Teams that wanted picks and inherited a bunch. The big one. The massive ones I think you can consider yesterday in terms of hauling in picks. Not Eric Hallett, no, he he went down to Florida. The Ottawa Senators. You talk about a team that knows they're bad, but is willing to try to find ways to get better. They are gonna try it. Pierre Dorian is gonna do everything he can to save his job. And boy do they have a very, very very. Did I say very? Very important off season coming up here. Let's talk about their moves first. One of the big moves, which which is almost going to pay instant dividends for the team that is playing tonight, Tyler Ennis to the Edmonton Oilers. Now this is a kind of a funny thing, because remember Ennis came to the Leafs last year. Nobody was really sure to see where he was going to play. Was he actually going to make the lineup? He ended up being one of Mike Babcock's favorite hardworking players. He was able to earn a roster spot, earn a good contract with the Senators in the offseason because the Leafs realized that we're not going to be able to pay 700 grand or he's not going to want 700 grand. He ended up getting a little bit more with the Senators. He's put up some solid numbers, not astronomical through the roof numbers, but good enough to get a 2021 fifth-round pick out of Ken Holland's pocket in Edmonton. And he's playing on a line with Connor McDavid tonight. Alrighty then, welcome to the Oilers. You're going to play with one of the, the world's best and most talented hockey player. But Ottawa gets a draft pick. Their other move, Vlad, Vladislav Nemestikov going to the Colorado Avalanche. What do the Senators get? A 2021 fourth round pick. Just straight up, one for one, no conditional, none of that. But the big sell, J.G. Pajot, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Top scorer for the Senators heading to the New York Islanders. And you would think maybe Connor Brown would be their guy, but clearly Pierre Dorian sees a future with him as a leader in the locker room, which is good to see because Connor Brown, despite you know me wanting him back with Toronto because he's a Leafs fan for life, he deserves an opportunity to be a star player, which he's going to get with the Ottawa Senators. J.G. Pageot was definitely coming on strong here. Him and Anthony Duclair really stepping up and really showing that they can be top guys in this league. He's going to go to a team that's trying to bounce back because they've kind of fallen off on hard times. The Islanders have currently holding on to one of those wildcard spots right now. In fact, the first wild card spot tied with the Blue Jackets with 76 points, who are 5-5, five and five. the Islanders are, in their last 10 games. They have really struggled on the road, and they want more scoring. For a team that only has 176 goals this season, and out of all the playoff teams currently, they have the second-least amount of goals for. Only the Columbus Blue Jackets have less with 166. The closest team to them are the... I'm trying to look at the numbers here. The Arizona Coyotes, who have 181 goals for. They hold the second wild-card spot in the Western Conference, tied with Calgary with 70 points. We'll get to them a little bit later on in the show. The Islanders, though, adding a piece like Pajot. And Pajot, you know, we... He was a guy that really, for me, never superbly stood out. He's a talented hockey player. I was never sure if he was going to really stand out in the NHL. You know, he was drafted by the Oilers, but he just became, I mean, the fact that he worked his way through the system to get to this point I mean, for me, that's pretty cool to see. A guy that played for the Gatineau Olympic and Chikudame Saganines in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, did his time in Binghamton, was a pretty good scorer in the American League, and was given an opportunity with the Senators, and really kind of became a very talented, solid hockey player in his first full season with the Senators back in the 15-16 season. When the Senators were the last team to be eliminated of all the Canadian teams, at least from the Stanley Cup playoff contention, he had 43 points in 82 games. Had 33 the next year. Took a little bit of a dip. This year, though, he's tearing it up. Through 60 games with Ottawa this year, 20 has 40 points. That's not bad. He has a grand total of 13, or excuse me, nine power play points. He has four power play goals with five assists with the man advantage. So you're getting the guy for the Islanders. You're getting a guy that can play the power play and I don't want to say lead the offense, but he'll add the tools that you need to bolster it. You have guys like Everly. You have guys like Barzal. Barzal, excuse me. I forgot to emphasize the A for you Islanders fans. By the way, I still have John Tavares, New York Islanders Christmas ornament. Just want to let you guys know. A little salt in that wound. But As I'm looking on now, they're showing the highlights on Sportsnet following the Leafs game. And Alex Nedlovich, the goaltender for the Carolina Hurricanes, they're losing to Dallas right now. And let me tell you right now, I'm pretty sure that some fans in the crowd are thinking, why don't we get David Ayers in there? Well, I don't think he was going to be able to stop a couple of these goals here, guys, as I'm seeing the highlights right now. But I'm really thinking if you are a Islanders fan, this is a big move. If you're Ottawa, it's great. You want to know why? Because this is a Pierre Dorian and Lou Lamarillo saying, I'll, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Because the Senators got a lot for JC Pajot. Senators receive a 2020 conditional first-round pick, the condition being that if the Islanders somehow win the lottery from their position wherever they finish in the league, that pick will move to 2021. So the Senators will receive the Islanders pick there, they will also receive a 2020 second-round pick, all both these Islanders, and the 2022 conditional third. And that pick, though, only will be passed over to the Senators if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup this season. So if you're looking through all those trades, we're going to go over to the Ottawa Senators right now. Look at all of these draft picks. Now, yes, if you want to go into it, they did lose a couple picks. Remember, they lost their 2020 fifth round pick when they traded Mike Hoffman to the San Jose Sharks when Doug Wilson just completely ripped Pierre Dorian's jock off. And they also got rid of their 20-25th round pick or 2020 sixth round pick, excuse me, when they traded Mike Condon to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Ryan Callahan. Remember that deal when Ryan Callahan was injured and they had to put him on a long-term IR. They also lost their 7th round pick when they traded this year for Matthew Pekka. We'll get to that trade a little bit later on. But as of right now, the Senators, in the first three rounds of the, 2020, of the 2020 NHL Draft, they have a grand total of nine picks. Nine draft picks. They have a total of 13 in seven rounds next year. That's about two per round. That's pretty good. They have three in the first round. They received that pick from San Jose when they traded Eric Carlson. When they got Dylan DeMello, Chris Tierney, so on and so forth, Joshua Norris, signing rights before last season. That's where they got San Jose's pick. But like I said, they have the Islanders pick, which I don't think the Islanders really have much of a chance to win the lottery. But if they do... It goes back 2021 still. But there's a better chance, obviously, that they keep their own. So they have three in the first round, four in the second, three in the third. They have two in the sixth. 2021, obviously a lot of time for that change as well. But they have three in the second round. As I remember, they, let, they also acquired the Sharks' second round pick in the Eric Carlson trade before last season. They also got one from Columbus when they traded Ryan Dezingle. Ryan Zingle, who is currently being a healthy scratch by the Carolina Hurricanes, but man, I tell you, the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian. Pierre Dorian is trying everything he can to do to save his job. By the way, I should give definite kudos here. Bobby Ryan getting into the lineup for the first time since November the sixteenth. A hundred days sober. Congratulations, Bobby, on your sobriety. Really proud of you, man. You were able to fight back hard to get back in the lineup tonight. Good for you. I hope this. I hope this turns it around for you because, you know, we. I know, you know, we. We may sound like hypocritical and we're cheering for you because we've harped on you before, for, you know, your lack of poor play and how your contract's too expensive, so on and so forth. But we remember how good of a hockey player you were, and I really hope that you're able to kind of turn it around because it'd be great to see you at the top of your game and help lead this now very young Senators team to you know to start to grow these young kids into excellent professional hockey players. But going back to the trade deadline, Ottawa big sellers. Another team that did a lot of selling but didn't get a whole lot of draft picks. The Anaheim Ducks. And Anaheim went with a much different, a much different strategy. Bob Murray was not going to sell his players for a lot of picks. He did receive a couple. He sent Devin Shore to Columbus for Sonny Milano, and Daniel Sprong to Washington for Kristen Juice, and Nick Ritchie to Boston for Danton Heinen. Really, these deals are sending... I I don't want to use the word top players, because Anaheim this year, it's safe to say, they've not been that good, guys. He's sending players out to get some younger talent in, with a mixture of, you know, you get Danton Heinen, who's kind of on the fringe of, you know, younger to veteran player. He's kind of getting to that point in his career. and But you're getting guys like Chris and Juice who are a little bit younger. Derek Grant goes to Philadelphia for Crying and Cuscolo And a 2020 conditional fourth, which was Nashville's conditional fourth, or fourth-round pick that the Ducks are getting. However, they will receive whichever is higher between Nashville and Philadelphia which pretty much at this rate right now, it would be Nashville's pick that the Anaheim Ducks would get. The big one that probably is a little bit of both in terms of getting some veteran experience with younger players is Andre Case going to the Boston Bruins. The second deal, second of two deals that Bob Murray made with Don Sweeney that saw the Ducks receive David Backus Axel Anderson, who currently plays with the Moncton Wildcats of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, in a 2021 first-round pick. Once again, selling, I guess, players at their at their highest selling point. So, trying to sell high is Murray, to try to get something back in return. Something younger, something cheaper. Because don't forget, the Ducks had a really good start to this season. They, I believe they won, what, five of their first seven, six of their first eight. They were not a bad hockey team to start the year. And they thought maybe Dallas Akins was on to something here with this Ducks team. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. And we, you know, there were a lot of people that thought maybe Adam excuse me, maybe Adam Henrique was going to be on the move, maybe going back to New Jersey somewhere, he was gonna go he was gonna be moved. Arguably Henrik's been one of their top players. Obviously guys like Cam Fowler were not going to be moved, John Gibson just because of the fact that if the Ducks wanna be good, they need those guys in the lineup. Ryan Getzloff is a little too old to be moved, Corey Perry was just fortunate a circumstance on the fact that he was a free agent when he signed with the Dallas Stars this last summer. But the Ducks selling off a few pieces, getting a few back. The Montreal Canadiens selling some pieces as well. I guess you could say the big move for the Habs was sending Matthew Peck out to the Ottawa Senators. The only time, I guess, the only time Ottawa really bought. Matthew Peck, a guy that's been really underutilized with the. Montreal Canadiens since the resurgence or the surgeon, excuse me, of Nick Suzuki. Been kind of been put off to the side. Has kind of gone up and down with Laval. Aaron Luchuk, currently right now a member of the, well he was kind of bouncing around. Played a lot of the season with the Newfoundland Growlers. He's, he was loaned there by the Montreal Canadiens. He played one game in Belleville. He's played with Brampton for a game. Played, like I said, a lot with Newfoundland. So just kind of a low, low piece coming back to the Montreal Canadiens. But Pekka going to Ottawa, could be a good little move for him. You know, change of scenery, maybe a little bit of opportunity to play with the Senators. Nick Cousins, the Montreal Canadiens, sent him to the Vegas Golden Knights. They receive a 2021 fourth-round pick. Mark Bergevin just kind of doing some things. As of after they realized once they kind of forced Shea Weber to come back in the lineup, and trying to push Jonathan Duran back in the lineup and Gallagher. Maybe they finally realized that, okay, maybe we're not gonna win. And they also sent Nate Thompson to Philadelphia. That saw the Habs get a fifth round pick in, in 2021. And Nate Thompson, a guy that's been traded a few times in the last few years, he said it's tough because you're getting you get to know these guys when you play with even if you play with guys for half the season, you get to know a lot of players and I always kind of chuckle around with the, you know, how I played in the Fed. I was there for, like, two weeks with Huron. A lot of the guys, like, I always tell about my relationship with Brian Soskin and Dustin Skinner and Ahmed Mahfouz, like, the guys that, I mean, you meet them and they're all really, I mean, you develop relationships with these guys because you're around them all the time. And it's not like, you know, the boys never hang out. I mean, you're professional hockey players. You, you play hockey. And that's it. Yeah, you'll do appearance, whatever. And if you have family, obviously that that is important, but you know, you get you hang around the guys on road trips a lot and you get to know each other really well. And if you're there for a week, for a month, for a season, you develop relationships that last forever and sometimes you get really close to players. So I can feel for Nate Thompson as he makes his way over to a contender with the Flyers they were winning their game, I think I saw they're currently third. In the Metropolitan Division behind Pittsburgh. Only one point behind the Pittsburgh Penguins. 79 points for the Flyers. 80 for Pittsburgh. 82 for the Washington Capitals. Pretty tight division there. As we talked about last week. There's an opportunity that Pittsburgh could win the division. As we see, there's actually a legitimate shot for the Philadelphia Flyers to win the division. Folks, I said that and I'll say it again. There is an opportunity for the Philadelphia Flyers to win The division. Do I have to repeat myself one more time? No, we're good. Okay. I was going to put the Flyers as one of the buyers, but they didn't add too many bigger pieces. I think the Marlowe trade was a little bit bigger than the Devin Shore trade, or Derek Grant trade, excuse me. But the big move that the Habs did, and I don't want to say to dump cap, because was not a cap dump by any stretch of the imagination, but it was trading Ilya Kovalchuk to the Washington Capitals. And of course, Kovalchuk, whose contract was terminated with the Los Angeles Kings earlier on this season, signed from league men with the Canadians, kind of had a little bit of a resurgence. Scored a big goal against the Leafs a couple weeks ago, and which at that time made it seem like maybe the Canadians had a shot to be back in the playoff hunt. They've since fallen off. Kovalchuk, though, loves Montreal. Goes to Washington, though, 50% retained. So yes, only each team only has to pay 350 dollars for Kovalchuk. The Habs, though, get a third-round pick for Kovalchuk. And let me tell you right now, if you told me that in November or December with Los Angeles that Kovalchuk was going to be worth a third-round pick, I would have said you're out of your darn mind. He hasn't done anything. What, what does he deserve ever since he got back into the league? Well, we've realized that Kovalchuk is not the Ilya Kovalchuk from 2010, but he is an Ilya Kovalchuk that can produce and be a power play guy, still can shoot the puck, and that's why the Capitals brought him on. Now, will there be enough puck to go around with it, With now 700-goal scorer Alex Ovechkin? I don't know. I don't know where they're going to utilize him. You can put Kovalchuk at the top of the power play, though, and just have him feed him over, and oh, my gosh, now I'm scared for everyone in the Metro Division, because if, those, if that power play gets going, with Kovalchuk throwing bombs from the point or faking a one-timer and dropping off for Ovechkin, who just keeps blasting from the top of the circle, that power play is, oh, my gosh, Backstrom, Kovalchuk, Ovechkin. Are the Caps Stanley Cup contenders now? Question mark? We'll discuss that a little bit later on. This kind of just, usually I have my notes of who I want to talk about, who I want to promote. I think the Capitals just threw themselves onto my notes here. But Montreal, unlike Anaheim, similar to Ottawa, getting a lot of draft picks, which is important. Because now, they don't have a mass amount of first-round picks like the Senators have. But this upcoming draft, they're only missing their 7th round pick, which they traded in June of this year when they traded picks, literally, when they traded picks for, with Philadelphia, they traded their 2020 2019 7th round pick, the Flyers did, to Montreal for Montreal's 2027th round pick. That 2019 7th overall pick became Raphael Harvey-Pinard. Raphael Harvey-Pinard. Raphael Harvey-Pinard playing now with the Chikudami Saganines. Pernard, who won the Memorial Cup last year with the Ren Huskies. Played there for the last few seasons. Playing his last year now as an overager. So now he is a draft pick. They have not officially signed him yet to a deal the Canadians have, but they think they may have had a little bit of a future with the Quebec junior star. But going back to what they have looking forward here in 2020, they have their own first-round pick. They have three in the second, two in the third, three in the fourth, two in the fifth, their own in the sixth, and two more in the seventh. Now, you wonder, how did they get all these draft picks? Well, they received the Hawks' 2020 second and seventh round picks for Andrew Shaw, but they gave up their own seventh round pick of 2021. However, they flipped their 2020 round seventh round pick for a 2021 third round pick. So they actually upgraded for get up Andrew Shaw who, by the way, has not done a dang thing with the Chicago Blackhawks, Mark Bergevin, despite being a complete loony at times, maybe not doing too bad of a job. They received the 2020 second-round pick from the St. Louis Blues in this past, or this actually last week, when they got they got rid of Marco Scandella they, for the Washington Capitals. That's how they got their third-round pick when they traded over Ilya Kovalchuk. That Anaheim Ducks pick in the third round they got when they got rid of Nikolai Delorier. And the Winnipeg Jets one they received back in June 30th of 2018, when they took on Joel Armia and Steve Mason from the Winnipeg Jets, just giving up Simon Bork because they wanted to buy out Steve Mason. So they got their 2019 seventh round pick from the Winnipeg Jets, which ended up becoming Karrion Ruchensky and their fourth round pick in 2020. So I had to make sure I get those notes right. But. as I continue to go through, they also got Florida's fifth-round pick in this past year's draft when they traded their current, when they actually traded Chicago's 2019 fifth-round pick, which became Henry Urbinski. It's always hard to figure out and to try to find all these draft picks that go on all at once. now, Because the draft is so weird because they'll just trade picks I'm like, hey, we want this year's 2019 fifth-round pick. What about next year's? No, we want this one now. We want to draft this guy right now. It's a whole hoopla, especially at the end, towards the end of the draft, like the back end. It just, it gets extremely confusing at times. But Montreal, though, getting a lot of draft picks. Looking at next year, they don't have as many. They have three in the fifth round in 2021, two in the third and two in the fourth with their own in first and the second round. So Montreal stacking up them picks, trying to build the future. The last big seller is the Detroit Red Wings. And I say that because they got rid of two of their, arguably their best players. And I know as soon as I say their best players, I'm like, don't you mean Dylan Larkin? No, not not that. They're not that crazy, okay? Steve Yzerman is trying to keep some talent there because all signs are still pointing towards the fact that Dylan Larkin is going to be the next captain of the Detroit Red Wings. And I don't think anyone will debate that. Now, they made two separate trades with the Edmonton Oilers this past week. And they lost three players. They lost Ryan Kufner, who really is not kind of not the biggest deal. I guess you can say he's obviously just a pawn in this whole little thing. Ryan Kufner, currently a member of the Grand Rapids Griffins, or at least he was traded. Now he's gonna go be playing with Bakersfield. The Princeton University graduate actually played ten games at the end of last season after finishing up his season with the Princeton Tigers, the Ivy Leaker. He was in the trade that saw Anthony Sioux go over to the Oilers where the Red Wings were received Sam Gagne, which was nice because they have some of his contract retained by the Oilers where I think only ten percent of it was three hundred and fifteen grand that the Oilers are holding on to. But the Red Wings get a veteran center. they also receive the Oilers twenty twenty second round pick and the twenty twenty one their twenty twenty one second round pick. So back to back second round picks from the Oilers. And that came shortly after The Wings traded Mike Green. And Mike Green's contract, which was 50% retained by the Detroit Red Wings, which means that both teams are paying $2.687.5 million. So $2,687,500 both teams are paying for. The Red Wings are acquiring Kyle Brodziak, which his AAV is 1.15, and a 2020 conditional fourth. Now, the condition on that pick, the 2024th round pick, becomes upgrades to a 2021 third round pick if the Oilers advance to the conference final and Mike Green plays in 50% of their games. So if you're looking at the whole thing, say it's all one big happy trade, Anthony to see you, Mike Green, Ryan Coffern go to the Edmonton Oilers for Sam Gagne, Kyle Brodziak, a 2020 and 2021 second round pick and a 2020 fourth round pick that has the whole thing of moving up to a third if the Oilers actually play well in the postseason and Mike Green is happy to be there. So those are the big sellers. Obviously more sellers than buyers this year, but a couple of teams showing their worth. Like I said, the Philadelphia Flyers getting a little bit deeper. You have Colorado adding just another piece. The Islanders trying to bolster their offense. Very interesting times here across the National Hockey League. As we move along here on this episode of the Cule Podcast, this trade deadline recap, we we'll talk about some of the big moves And we talked about how Philly is getting a little bit deeper, talked about how Washington added pieces, so on and so forth. How about we talk a little bit about the Vegas Golden Knights? An interesting little bit of a scenario here. Shortly after we did our podcast last week, Cody Eakin was traded to the Winnipeg Jets. Cody Eakin, remember, the now infamous player that cross-checked Joe Pavelski, got the five-minute major, and all chaos and everything ensued in the National Hockey League in the first round last season. So, kind of an interesting move because, wow, Vegas is selling, question mark. Are they not going to go for it this year? Vegas Golden Knights currently is sitting atop of the Pacific Division. Man, Vancouver was there for so long. But it's still, if you look at it past Vegas, it goes Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary as of right now. But, more or less, as Vegas may be clearing up a little bit of cap space, but the Knights get a little bit in return. They get a 2021 conditional fourth, which is the Jets' 2020 fourth round pick. It upgrades to a third round pick if the Jets make the playoffs or they re sign Cody Eakin before July the 5th of this summer. Currently, the Winnipeg Jets are sitting one point out of a playoff spot behind the Arizona Coyotes, who, like we said, are tied in the Pacific Division with the Calgary Flames. So they have that deal that kind of goes down. So almost like, all right, we're losing a piece. But just before the deadline yesterday, Robin Leonard found his name on the Vegas Golden Knights roster. Now, this was an interesting contract, okay? So it was a three-team deal, and they actually talked about it before the start of the third period, they actually used Cat friendly screen grab to describe this. So here's the gist of the contract the Chicago Blackhawks traded Robin Leonard to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the odd thing is, out of all of this, the Chicago Blackhawks got nothing from the Toronto Maple Leafs. However, both teams retained half of Robin Leonard's $5 million salary, meaning 2.5 goes to the Hawks, 2.5 to the Leafs. The Leafs then flip Leonard to the Vegas Golden Knights. What do they get from Vegas? A 2020 fifth round pick. Vegas' 2020 fifth-round pick. And the Knights get Leonard and Martins de Zerkles. De Zerkles? Martins? Zerkles. We'll go with the Zerkles. Currently playing for Jokerite in La Liga over in... Or LM Liga, not La Liga, not football. LM Liga in Finland. But the thing is that... Well, it's only 44% of the 2.5 is retained by the Leafs, meaning that the Leafs only actually have to pay $1.4 million. No, excuse me, $1.1 million for Robin Leonard. So technically, yes, Robin Leonard is on the books, as is Phil Kessel still. We'll just stop that right there. But then the Hawks from Vegas get Malcolm Subban and Slava Denim, or at least his signing rights, Slava Denim, California kid currently playing at the University of Denver in the middle of his sophomore season with the Pioneers. And somehow in all of this, the Hawks actually get a 2020 second second-round pick from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gets nothing. All right, so long story short, Subban for Leonard, Demond for Zerkles, and the Leafs retain half of Leonard's salary. They're paying a grand total of $1.1 million for Leonard, and they get a fifth-round pick out of it. Is everyone clear? Everyone clear. Alright, what is everyone getting here? Well, the Hawks are getting a young goaltender, Malcolm Subban, which nobody knows if he'll ever fulfill his, at least his potential that he received when he was coming out of the Belleville Bulls of being an NHL netminder. But, the Vegas Golden Knights, they add a depth goaltender as Marc-Andre Fleury is getting a little bit older. Robin Leonard still looking like a very good goaltender. Unfortunately, he just wasn't getting any support from the Chicago Blackhawks. So, they're adding a depth goaltender which is huge in the playoffs because if Fleury ever does falter, you have a goaltender and a very capable one, Robin Leonard. That's not a bad deal at all. You never want to use two goaltenders in the playoffs. I get that. Mike Babcock's old saying was if you ever change goaltenders in the playoffs, you're usually fishing 2 or 3 days later. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Seems like you really want to have two goaltenders ready to go and especially as you're going down the stretch here, if you are the Vegas Golden Knights and you want to you know kind of secure that top spot in the Pacific You want a guy like Leonard there. And don't forget, they're only paying $1.4 million. For a team that is in cap H-E double hockey sticks like the Knights are, that's a pretty big deal to get a top goaltender like Robin Leonard for that little money. You don't get that anymore. It seems like these days. So three-way trade, and somehow Pittsburgh's involved in it. But nonetheless, last trade I guess we'll mention here in recapping our trade deadline 2020. Wayne Simmons going to the Buffalo Sabres. New Jersey Devils getting rid of the player they, they just signed this past summer. The Devils, though, receiving a 2021 conditional fifth-round pick. And there's kind of some funny, funny-duddy little details here. If Wayne Simmons plays 10 regular season games and the Sabres make the playoffs, the pick goes up to a fourth-round pick. So the Devils have a few things to look at. coming up here. They, As of right now have three first-round picks. However, I'm looking at them right now in Cap Friendly. One of the first-round picks they received was from February of this year when they traded with the Vancouver Canucks, which saw the conditional first-round pick that, J, that the Tampa Bay Lightning got for J.T. Miller. Blake Coleman goes to Tampa. Remember, that's when one we talked about last week, Nolan Foote and that p- pick going to New Jersey that is Vegas or that's Vancouver Canucks pick. The pick though only will stay in 2020 if the Vancouver Canucks miss the playoffs this year. The pick will then transfer to 2021. So pretty much saying that the Canucks pick will be one of the Devils in the next two years. The trade for the Arizona Coyotes was the one they got for Taylor Hall. The pick is if it's in the top three, the New Jersey will receive the Arizona's first round pick in 2021 which pretty much means if Arizona stinks this year and they get a lottery pick, if Arizona falls off the face of the cliff and somehow wins the lottery and gets a top three, New Jersey will once again get a 2021 first-round draft pick. So if you're still following along here, if your whiteboard or your notepad is not completely illiterate at this point, the New Jersey Devils will have three. They could have either three picks this year or three picks next year. Nonetheless, first-round picks coming up the wazoo. And if the Canucks can just hold on If the Coyotes can hold out of the bottom three, and if the Canucks can stay in the playoffs, those three first-round picks that the Devils want, including their own, will be this upcoming summer. As of right now, though, since the Devils have lost their second and third-round picks, both in the offseason of this year when they traded for P.K. Subban with the Nashville Predators, when they just pretty much paid to take a player like that, take a $9 million Deal, And they also got rid of their 2023rd round pick when they got Nikita Gusev, both of which haven't really worked out for the Devils. And again, not much has worked out for the Devils this year, but they still were able to kind of make it up with those two first round picks. No middle round really for them this year, but they do have Boston's fourth. So New Jersey kind of just selling a little bit, but nothing too crazy for Tom Fitzgerald and Cope as he still continues to try to keep his job and try to be a full-time broadcaster with or full time broadcaster. My goodness. I'm looking at the Sportsnet highlights right now. I'm thinking of broadcasting. He wants to be a full time general manager in the National Hockey League. So, with all that, with all the trades, there are also some signings and some extensions as well. Everyone was talking about when the Colorado Avalanche lost Philip Grubauer in that Stadium Series game that maybe, just maybe, they were going to bring in a goaltender at the deadline to kind of ensure the position. A goaltender like Robin Leonard, possibly. Maybe a goaltender like Alexander Georgiev. Maybe it's adding just something there. But they decide, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna stay with we're gonna stay the course here. Pavel Francus signing a two-year extension worth two million dollars AAV, so it'll be a four million dollar contract for the right-handed catching goaltender for the Colorado avalanche. Interesting move in the fact that, like I said, people thought they were going to try to find a goaltender. Obviously, Philip Grubauer's injury must not be serious because you would probably want to bring someone in for a team like the Avalanche, a team that has a very good chance to... I don't don't know if they can catch the Blues, even though the Avalanche have two games in hand and they're only three points back. It'll be tough with how good the Blues have been this year, but Carr has a chance to win the Central as well. And so do the Dallas Stars. So let's just keep that in mind regardless of that fact colorado kind of staying with their house what they have right now they didn't make too many big moves at least in the past week zach bogosian after being suspended by the buffalo sabers for not reporting to rochester he was put on waivers for the purpose of terminating contract which they did he signs on with the Tampa Bay Lightning, kind of just adding a depth piece for their playoff run, signing a one-year, $1.3 million contract. Was not in the lineup tonight against the Leafs, but he could be a guy that you may see every so often here, is maybe more or less. Kind of like, a, I guess, if you're a Wings fan, remember how Yuri Slager played in Game 5 of that 2002 Stanley Cup championship? Kind of a guy like that. Nick Holden signed an extension as well with the Vegas Golden Knights, a two-year deal worth $1.7 million per season. And the two big ones from this past week, Jake Muzzin signing a four-year $5.625 million contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, or 5.625 AAV with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and now went out with a hand injury, which makes it great because he actually, well, he didn't score the goal, but he ended up leading to one of the Leafs goals in that first period. So it's really not good for the Leafs to have one of their top guys, because Muzzin, that's what almost makes this contract a little worrisome, because he's missed time, some he actually missed substantial time this season, too. So, obviously, you don't want to have a guy that's injury-prone, but Muzzin is a tough guy. Let's hope he comes back soon if you're a Leafs fan. Chris Kreider was a guy that people were talking about, is this the year he moves? There were talks last year. There were talks last summer. Is Chris Kreider on the move? Are they finally going to sell him? Nope. Jeff Gordon says, we're going to keep him. Chris Kreider stays with the New York Rangers, signing a seven-year million AAV contract to stay on Broadway. Boy, oh boy, is this contract going to look awful in year four. Listen, Kreider's got speed. I'm not going to knock him for that. He's got talent. not going to knock him for that. But I will knock him for the fact that I don't think he can do it for seven more years. That's where I think Jeff Gordon was like, all right, you want to keep your core, I get that. You want to keep a guy. I just you want to keep a guy like that in your lineup, I get it. That's why they still have Henrik Lundqvist. That's why they kept Brady Schaefer as long as they did. I mean they probably would have kept Ryan I mean they probably would have kept guys like Madonna and Callahan if they weren't getting older. But guess what? They got rid of him at some point or another. They keep Kreider now because of the fact that they need somebody. Because this is a very young team in the Rangers, competitive team. But still a young team. I'm interested to see, I mean, are you going to make him the next captain? Are you going to make him the guy that you can market the team around? Because that's pretty much it. Because, I mean, you have Mika Sabanajad, yeah. But, I mean, those are pretty much the only two guys you have left. At least in terms of having a core. So, interesting deal. Not sure if it's a big move or if it's going to be a game-changing move. But it it did take a big piece off the trade block this past week, or actually yesterday. So last little bit of thing here. Well, let's talk about who is better now after the trade deadline. Personally, it'd be dumb to not look at the Carolina Hurricanes. Big buyers, you get a good offensive piece in Trochek, better blue line. I mean, I, I don't know how you can get a better blue line they already have. Because now you need a more of a defense core because of the fact that, because it sounds like, according to Rod Brindamore, that both Reimer and Morazic are not going to be back anytime soon. Which is crazy to to know the fact that Leonard was on the market, but the Canes didn't go after him. Because had they were able to pull off that whole shenaniganery with the Hawks and the Leafs, they would be able to only pay Robin Leonard for $1.4 million. And that would have been important because then you'd get a starting goaltender right away. Now you have Alex Nedjelvich, who has never been Aiden, consistent angel starter. Whenever he did play, it's because the Hurricanes were bad with Scott Darling as their goaltender. Remember that gamble? Yeah, there's a reason why Ronnie France is not a GM anymore, guys. Just saying. I mean, it's interesting to see how they're going to be now without a starting goaltender, but in terms of up front, outside of the crease, they are a lot better. They're deeper up front, they're deeper on the back end, and now it's going to be just... Get the job done. They're chasing a playoff spot, and now they're showing that they want, they're want they serious. So it's almost a make-or-break move for the Canes to try to get better, to try to get back into the playoffs. Islanders, a team that's been kind of floundering in the second half of the season, adding in pieces like J.G. Pajot. Really big move up front to add more goal scoring to a team that does not has not scored a lot of goals this season. Remember, don't forget Michael Hutchinson had a shutout against the Islanders. By the way, Hutchinson being traded to the Colorado Avalanche for Callie Rosen. Remember, Callie Rosen was involved in that trade that sent Nazem Kadri to the Colorado Avalanche. Callie Rosen coming back talent A talented young defenseman. Didn't get quite get the greatest of opportunities at least now, but maybe now with a little bit of a depleted decor if Jake Muzzin doesn't feel like coming back anytime soon. So, interesting to see how the Islers are going to get any better. Now, I don't know if Washington gets better because they're already a top team. Pittsburgh's a little bit tougher. Carrez a little bit tougher. Philadelphia's getting a little deeper. Ooh. I'm just saying that Metro, guys, it's not as dominant as Boston and Tampa right now, but look out. It's going to be a dogfight for that division title. Home ice Advantage will not be easy. And home Ice Advantage may not even matter. I'll be honest with you in that division because it's just going to be an absolute knockdown drag it out contest, and I'm excited for that. Now who looks now who I guess, are the questions of who should have made moves. Who was quiet yesterday? One team that was, Calgary Flames. A team that, yes, has the talent. A team that, yes, should have been and won the division last year, was the top team in the entire Western Conference, but lost to the Colorado Avalanche in five games. Got knocked down. They pretty much should have been swept. I almost look at that series last year as a sweep because realistically, you watch it. Mike Smith did everything he could for the Calgary Flames, but the Calgary Flames did nothing for Mike Smith. That team should not have won a single game in that series. But should the Flames have done something more? They did get Eric Gustafson for a conditional third from the Chicago Blackhawks. I know I didn't mention that earlier because I was getting to this point here. Gustafson, who has 26 points this season with 59 games with the Blackhawks, had 60 points, a career best last year one of the top-scoring defensemen in the entire league in 79 games to the Blackhawks last year. He's going to be a guy that's going to add a little bit more on the back end, but you just feel like, was there enough? Is Brad Living kind of just holding onto his pieces? Which kind of leads me to my second team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Should they have traded Tyson Berry? Vancouver was sniffing around. Vegas, even though that they got Alec Martinez last week, they were sniffing around. Obviously, the pot wasn't sweet enough for Kyle Dubas and co., or else maybe you would have seen Tyson Berry on the move. Tyson Berry, though, came out today saying he was relieved to stay on board with that. And I'm glad that Tyson Berry wants to stay with the Leafs. After the start to the year that he had, I'm shocked. I mean, the Leafs, I guess, they're, I mean, cap-wise, they're a team that really can't make a whole lot of moves. They have a very talented offense. Yeah, they beat Tampa tonight. Consistency is the issue with this team. And I guess adding players really wouldn't have done much. It would almost be like trying to put a Band-Aid, you know, on a pipe leak. So the Leafs are going to stick with what they got. Calgary gotten a little bit stronger, not nothing crazy, but they got a little bit better. I mean, they got rid right of Brandon Davidson for future considerations. What a big move there. But, I mean, those are just a couple teams that I really thought. I mean, then again, it seems like Calgary and Leafs this year have had a very similar narrative in terms of having an off-ice issue with coaches. Great expectations coming into the season and realistically being kind of underwhelming from the get-go. So we'll see if, I guess, their moves or lack thereof actually help them later on down the line. Now, who was smart for staying pat or staying put, not making any moves? Because there were a few teams that were almost deathly silent. Now, yes, Tyler Toffoli went over to the Vancouver Canucks last week, but after that, Canucks just kind of sat there and be like, all right, let's just let everything play out. Nothing to press, nothing to really go for. Because realistically, they're playing with house money right now. Yeah, you added Louis Domingue because you're just adding a veteran goaltender. I mean, is that going to be a move that you put in Utica? Because currently it only costs the team 75 grand because as of right now, Domingue is just with the AHL team of the Vancouver Canucks, the Utica Comets. But you can bring him up, have him back up, Jacob Markstrom. Because guess what, guys? I yeah, I hate to say it, but Thatcher Demko, not a fan. Great goaltender for Boston College, not a fan. Call me out, Canucks fans, please. I have a Canucks shirt. That does not mean I'm a fan of Th- Thatcher Demko. Just putting that out there now. But Vegas, not Vegas. Gosh. Why do I keep saying Vegas? Vancouver. We've talked about Vegas enough in this show. Let's go to the Canucks. They're third place in the in the Pacific Division. 72 points. They are the lowest of the top three teams because it goes the, the top three in the Central, and then five Pacific Division teams. St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, and it goes Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Arizona. They're not a shoe-in. They have 21 games left. They're one point behind. They're literally three, they're four points out of first, but yet they're three points out of a playoff spot entirely. Things can change. And it's really good to see that Jim Benning realizes that because you could try to buy at the deadline. You could have bought a couple players more, but you're doing this with the team you have now yeah you probably I mean you added to Foley already, and I guess that's your one buy, but you know if obviously if you want to be a cup contender, you have to really go all out, but the Canucks realize that they're not they're they're not in their window yet, which is really good to see because of how good this team is and how long it's been for this team to actually be a competitive hockey club again. It's really good to see them play well. I'm really happy to see Jacob Markstrom actually getting his due because he's i mean if he if he had been playing in the eastern seaboard there'd be whispers of him possibly being a Vesna candidate because he has played so well for the Canucks this season. I just, I really hope that they hold on. I just still want a Calgary-Edmonton series, okay? I want everyone to jump back up. I want Vegas to fall down. I want Arizona to make the playoffs. They're playing right now, as a matter of fact. I want, oh my gosh, can you imagine Vancouver-Vegas, Edmonton-Calgary in the Pacific Division? Guys, we're having fun over here. We're making up playoff series. We're gonna we're gonna submit them. We're gonna have our fantasy NHL 20 playoff series, which, of course, if you guys know, if you have to pay attention, we had our we went to the NHL 20 tournament that was hosted by the Grand Rapids Griffins on Sunday. Alex actually won a game. I did not. Just in case you were all curious, I know you all were. But back to our teams that shouldn't have moved. Speaking of the Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes, four five and one in the last ten. They are not dominating anymore. Yes, at one point, they were leading the Pacific Division. Then again, at this point, it seems like everyone has. I'm pretty sure, I mean, Anaheim. I don't think Los Angeles ever did. San Jose was in a spot Anaheim did for a month. But we're at, that's where they are now. Arizona Coyote, with Darcy Kemper coming back in the lineup, they have an opportunity to get back, get things going again. I don't know, though, if they're going to make the playoffs. It's not a shoe in I want them to because this team has worked really hard to get to this point. They had an incredible second half last year, almost pulled off the greatest comeback in the history of comebacks. But they've worked really hard to get to this point. They battled a lot of key injuries. They have dealt with the high of getting Taylor Hall to the point of, should we get rid of Taylor Hall? Because now Taylor Hall realizes not a Hart Trophy winner anymore, even though he won it exactly two years ago. But I'm glad they didn't move anybody because, really, do you want to buy when you're a French playoff team? It's the same thing with the Jets. Yeah, they bought Cody Eakin. Is it going to work? Is it going to pay off? Now, yes, Kekalainen last year with the Blue Jackets. We always talk about it. Yarma Kekalainen going all out for the Blue Jackets because he knew Bobrovsky wasn't coming back. knew Panarin wasn't coming back. Had to go all out. They actually won a playoff series out of it. They're good now. They're a playoff team right now. They didn't need to do any buying because, really, they don't have any room to buy. The Arizona Coyotes, if it's worked so far, let it go. If they're able to make it to the playoffs with the team they have now, great. They will play as of right now, though, the St. Louis Blues. Yikes. But it'd be great to see Arizona back in the playoff spot, though. I know Louis Panone, guy we've had on the show before, one of the writers for the Hockey Writers, he would be all over that stuff. And pretty much another team that, glad to make any moves, or at least any big ones, the Dallas Stars. Yes, the team, like we said, that's a few points out of first in the Central Division, who could still have an opportunity to jump the St. Louis Blues. Has an honest shot. The move, the big move, the apparently look at any other move they made. They traded a depth player for a draft pick. I'm trying to make sure... From yesterday and even the past week, that's all they did. The Dallas Stars really didn't do anything. They required a sixth-round pick from Buffalo, or Buffalo's sixth-round pick from Florida for from for Emil, Emil Juice, who is a defenseman out of Sweden, currently playing with the Texas Stars, now going to be playing with the Springfield Thunderbirds. So pretty much, Dallas, with what they have, with their goaltending duo, Bishop and Hidobin. their offense is there. Their defense, despite not being crazy, not being star power-filled, star-filled defense, solid. Niskanen, solid. Klingberg, solid. Mayor Heiskanen, still a quality young defenseman. They didn't need to do anything. They're better than they were last year, and they, they signed Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski. That's pretty much it. That's really all they did. Signed a couple old guys, giving them one maybe one more good shot. Because as we see, the Sharks and the Anaheim Ducks were not going to do anything this year. So why not give the old guys a chance? Corey Perry won a cup. Joe Pavelski wants to win one. Why not give them an opportunity? I'm not saying Dallas is a cup contender, but they're a pretty good hockey club. I'd be, I'd be a little worried for them. Now, the last bit of business here before we sign off. Joe Thornton. Speaking of San Jose, we talked about Patrick Marlowe, going to get a shot with Pittsburgh. Joe Thornton, not traded. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to one of our good friends on the social medias at World Hockey Report. Great show. It's on 12 on Sports Network. They tweeted yesterday, or this morning, after Joe Thornton wasn't traded, Saying, Joe Thornton was quoted saying as Kevin, Kevin Cruz of the athletic it, Kevin Kurtz excuse me of the athletic tweeted out saying how Joe Thornton quote wanted a shot and you know it's it's strange because Joe Thornton has consistently signed, back with the San Jose Sharks. Remember that was a couple years ago, before Marlowe signed with the Leafs, there was whispers that Joe Thornton was going to be the guy to come to Toronto. There was a possibility that he was going to sign somewhere else this year, this past summer, but he signed with the Sharks. I I honestly wonder, and Joe's such a nice guy too. I mean, he's always very talkative, always willing to chat with you. Like I said, I met him at the GLI, extremely nice guy you almost wonder if this is his own doing. And by that, I mean not actually. I mean, was he just not? I want to know. This is why I would love to hear. I'd love to see, like, I don't say offer sheets, but like what teams offer players like UFAs in the offseason because I want to know what Joe Thornton was offered if he was offered anything past couple of years because think of it this way. He kept signing with the Sharks and, hey, I want to stay a Shark. I want to be a Shark. Because don't forget, last year, they were in the conference final. They were two wins away from the Stanley Cup finals, guys. Is there an honest shot? Will there ever be a shot for Joe Thornton now? But going back to World Hockey Report, after Kevin Kurtz put the tweet out about Joe Thornton's quote, they said, is Doug Wilson... this now?" Excuse my language. Is Doug Wilson a for not trading him? I'm paraphrasing their quote, by the way, because I'm not going to go look it up right now. But is it true? Are they awful for not trading Joe Thornton? Was there not a market for Joe Thornton? Did Doug Wilson try to? I'm not sure. You probably could have gotten something for Thornton, though. If Patrick Marleau can get a third-round pick that can be bumped up to a second on a condition, you can probably get Thornton for at least a fourth and get something back from when you gave up to Florida for Mike Hoffman and gave up Ottawa to get Mike Hoffman in the first place. I'm just saying there's... And this is this is me just kind of going outside of my thinking here is you should always want to try to give guys opportunities. I know if, if Doug Wilson came out shortly after and said there was no market for him, yeah, we'd still be skeptical, but at least he said something. The silence on this just makes it kind of sad. This is a guy that's been around the league for so long, and he's gotten so many opportunities, and he's playing on some good teams. They were there. They were, they were two wins away in 2016. They were close then. He hasn't been closer since, though. Yeah, the Sharks had so many great teams. 2011, 2012, shoot, 2010, 2009. I mean, this team, since Joe Thornton's came here shortly after the year-long lockout, it's been a competitive hockey team, a team that's had great regular seasons. They just have never been able to put it together. And it stinks to see how they've almost consistently wasted Joe Thornton's ears on him, and for Joe Thornton to see that the Sharks actually had a shot, and it almost seems like it's now it's too late that maybe realistically, as much as Joe Thornton wanted a shot, there may not have been anyone that wanted him. Yeah, there's probably some team out there they want that maybe that veteran leadership, but what could the Capitals offer him? Probably nothing. What could the Penguins offer? They already got Marlow. I mean, take your pick. I mean, there was whispers. There was honest-to-goodness actual chitter-chatter about him going back to Boston. I'm not saying they would have used him. I mean, it could have been ending like a whole Rick Nash situation. But, man, you would think somebody would step up and say, yeah, Joe, we'll take you. You may not play top minutes. You may just sit on the fourth line and play six minutes a night, but we'll give you a shot at a ring. It's almost just hard because he's been in the league now. If I'm not mistaken, this would be his, his 22nd season. It's almost just disheartening to know that it's another player that's going to go another great player, too. And yeah, I you know there, there's guys like Joe Pavelski that made everyone a Stanley Cup. There's guys. Up until last year, that possibly Jay Bo may never win the Stanley Cup. But Joe Thorne's a different character. He is probably close to guys like Marcel Dion, not winning the Stanley Cup. Guys like Curtis Joseph. Guys that were fan favorites where they played and had played on really good hockey teams, but just couldn't get it done to the point where they ended up just running out of time. It's a disheartening thing to see, but boy, you really hoped. You really hoped, and I don't know how many more years Thornton has left. It just seems like it's it's getting to the point of Zdeno Chara, of where it's just as each year passes, it gets less and less likely, and more like he's never. He's just at this point just going to ride it out with the Sharks, a team that's he's been with now for the majority, for well over the majority of his career. I mean, because and here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Say he goes with Boston in the summertime. Does he actually win? Do they actually win? Are they even better? Because Thornton, Thornton for the last 20 games of the season in the playoffs, that's okay. You can take a gamble on that. Joe Thornton for an 82-game season? That's a bit of a stretch. So I guess we'll have to wait and see on his future, but it's definitely a shame that he wasn't. he's not going to get a shot this year guy that's put a lot into this league, a former MVP, top player in this league. He just, unfortunately, may never get his name on the Stanley Cup. I hate to end on a somber note like that. I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, hey, my team did this, hey, we're excited for this, and there's still obviously all the David Ayers who blow or David Ayers, which will probably go for the next month and a half. But, unfortunately, that's just the facts of, facts of the game. It's the way the puck bounces. But that is pretty much it for this one, folks. I, I think I've gone through the, the biggest the biggest of the trades and the biggest of the moves. but we will definitely, like we said, we will not be on next week. I'll be on the week off as I'll be on vacation. I'm my honeymoon with my eventual wife, my fiance right now, Kelly, who is working right now, which is why I'm able to record this episode so late in the night because she'd probably be yelling at me. For now, recording at 10:42 Eastern Time. After the Leafs picked up their win, the Bucks beat the heck out of the Raptors, so that's always good to see. Yeah, I say that incredibly sarcastically. If you actually believe me, I'm sorry. I guess maybe we'll do some quick wrap up on the scores here. Leafs beat the Lightning. Nucks beat the Canadians. Hey, look at that! I'm right all all the time. Preds barely beat the Senators. Flames beat the Bruins. Ducks beat the. Ducks beating the Oilers? Wait, what? Okay, Ducks beating the Oilers. Capitals beat the Jets in overtime. Coyotes and Panthers are tied. Rangers and Islanders. Rangers win in overtime, so on and so forth. I guess we have a quick second here. Let's take a look here at the some games, some big games coming up here across the National Hockey League. Tomorrow night, big matchup in Vegas and Sin City. Golden Knights hosting the Oilers as they play their second half of a back-to-back. Thursday night, Panthers and Leafs down in Sunrise. Leafs must win for sure against a team that has clearly sold the deadline, the Panthers, giving rid of Vincent Trocheck, You need to win there if you're the Leafs to kind of distance themselves. You also have the Blackhawks and the Lightning and Stars and Bruins, which may not matter for either team in terms of their own personal conference standings at least against each other. It's still a big game, though, because you have two really good hockey teams going up against each other. Islanders and Blues as well. Friday, you're going to see the Rangers and the Flyers. Flyers trying to distance themselves. And they have Colorado and Carolina in Carolina, in Raleigh. That'll be an interesting game now with both goaltenders still injured. Will Nadlovich play? He probably will because he's the only goaltender really in the system, the exception of Scott Darling, who has NHL experience against a Colorado team that's trying to bounce back with a backup goalie on their end as well. Saturday night, Leafs take on the Canucks, which has now become a marquee matchup, which is good to see. You know, In a non-marquee matchup, the Senators hosting the Red Wings. 21-31-12 cents against 15-46-4 Detroit Red Wings. Oh my gosh. Tampa hosting Calgary. That'll be a big game for them. On Sunday, the hometown hockey game, I believe, is the Vancouver Canucks and the Columbus Blue Jackets whereas the Panthers and Flames take on each other down in Sunrise, Florida. The NBC game, Rangers and Flyers, as they're kind of spread out home and home, finishes off Sunday afternoon at noon, and that's pretty much the week. Obviously, there's a lot of games next week, and I'll be down in Jamaica trying to keep tabs on them. Kelly will be mad at me if I'm watching them, but I don't care. I have to watch the Leafs. I have to watch hockey because just in case I'm on vacation does not mean I can't watch the beautiful game. That is it for this week's episode here, folks. Once again, let's use the hashtag, TheKillPodcast, get involved in this week's episode. Tell us what moves you think were the big ones this week and who you think is better out of the trade deadline here in 2020. Tweet us at TheKillPodcast as well. Tell us what you think. Tell us how you want Alex to come back on the show, even though I'm the one that's actually leaving next week for once. I am sorry. Marriage is a thing. Happy wife. Happy life. You all know it. You all love it. Thank you once again, folks, for listening to this week's episode of the QL Podcast. We will see you all in a couple weeks. Goodbye. Bye.